This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. guys welcome back to another episode of dimming the gaslight as always my name is mac and i'm uh, excited that you guys are back for another episode um before we get into this next one um some of you guys are still catching up on past episodes and i've gotten a lot of responses this week uh over the last week um from people who were on episode 10 where i talk about my personal therapy session and people are reaching out to me and and you know everybody's still being so nice about that and i'm really so grateful um, in that episode, I mentioned that one of my friends is a traveling salesman and, uh, he was coming to visit from Texas and he got me a hotel room. Um, so I just wanted to touch on real quick that I just got done with my nine days in the hotel room with my best friend. Um, dude, you are a lifesaver. Um, and, uh, he was so good to me. He made sure that I had food. He made sure that, um, he actually helped me out with some clothing because as you heard in past episodes, my ex threw all my clothes by the side of the road. Um, he just let me know. He said over the next nine days, he goes, I just don't want you to have any worries. And, uh, he did, he made my life so much better, so much simpler. And I really appreciate that dude. I really do. Um, so thank you guys so much for reaching out. I am doing well. I am back to my father's house. So I'm back to my grind a little bit, um, a lot of bit. <laughs> but uh, it was nice to have that respite for a little while. And, uh, you know, more to come. Um, before we get into this next episode, um, I want to remind you guys to email me at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com if you want to be a part of the show. Um, also, I am on Instagram at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Um, and also I have started a TikTok this week. So if you'd like to follow me on TikTok, um, I'm also at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Um, one more thing too, I want to remind you guys, uh, please review the podcast on Apple podcast. If you like it, give it five stars on Spotify. Um, I really appreciate the reviews that are coming in. Um, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. So, um, let's get to our next episode. You guys are going to love this one. Check it out. All right, guys. So you guys are here for a very special episode today. I'm so excited about this. So joining me on today's episode is Adam from Toxic Abuse Anonymous. Adam, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so Adam is super cool. I follow him on Instagram and I've been watching all of his live videos. 
The cool thing about Adam is, and I don't think I've ever told you this, man, but you remind me of like the John Wayne of narcissism. You're just a cool guy who sits outside, chain smoking your cigarettes and just dropping your knowledge on everybody. And every time Adam says something, man, <laughs> people listen. So um, I, I, I've been commenting on his uh, Instagram lives and, uh, you know, thank God for my punchy name of dimming the gaslight. But Adam and I have gotten to talking and uh, my God, he just has a wealth of knowledge. So Adam's going to talk to everything about like the history of narcissism, the chemistry of narcissism. This guy knows it all. So uh, Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure to join you. Yeah, this is so cool and it's so exciting for me. So um, before we got on, Adam was giving me like a history lesson of narcissism. And I wish you could have seen the smoke blowing out of my ears because I was just so impressed by the whole thing. Adam, let's start that conversation over. Can you go through that again? Sure. So this isn't really the history of narcissism. This is the history of man. Mm -hmm. What I had said to you is that the world is not actually divided by black people, white people, fat people, skinny people, Jewish people, Muslim people, Christian people. The world is divided by those that have wisdom and those that do not. And mm. those that do not have wisdom divide themselves by politics or weight or likes on a TikTok app <laughs> or, or color of skin. Truthfully, we all started out a million or so years ago in one place, Ethiopia. We are all the same. And as it got too packed, tribes of men and women ventured north and started finding different lands. And every time they found a new land, their skin got a little lighter because they got away from the equator. They no longer needed melatonin in their skin. Mm. But any of your listeners that don't believe this, I urge you to go outside in the sun for five days. You will start heading back to Ethiopia. Now go outside <laughs> for a thousand years. Now go outside for 500,000 years. You will be Ethiopian soon enough. <laughs> okay all right so where it relates to narcissism though and that is the particular subject for a toxic abuse anonymous my group um in order to survive there were two very important features that man had one of them we're going to cover in depth which is a hormone called oxytocin we'll right. get to oxytocin mm -hmm. that is probably the most important thing that ever happened to man the other thing that happened to man is in order to survive, you needed a lack of empathy. Hmm. Touch on that a little bit. That's interesting. You, in order to survive, you need a lack of empathy. Okay, let's hear this. Well, we can do this backwards. We could start with today and work our way back, or we can start with then. So let's flash forward to today. Okay. If you're involved with a narcissist who ghosted you or is abusing you of any way or any kind of emotional abuse, it doesn't have to be a narcissist. It could be anyone that's abusing you. The only thing you can do to get unaddicted to that person, and let's we'll talk about that too if we right. have time, is to do use something called no contact. And a lot of people think no contact means don't call them, don't text them, don't email them, don't contact them. Right. But that's not actually what no contact means. In the 1800s, when you divorced a very mean, toxic person or they died, what you would do is gather your friends and go around dig a hole in the backyard and bury every picture and every memento you could find and actually have a funeral. No contact. Yeah. So now, though, your pictures are on your phone. You're not going to go bury your phone. People lack the strength to delete the pictures. So even though they're not contacting people, they're going no contact by not contact contacting them when a child is processing frustration. It frustrates all growth 
comes from frustration. If you didn't know that all growth, all, all mental growth. I've always, I've always heard all growth comes from pain, but frustration makes sense. And frustration causes the pain. Sure. They can't figure it. it out. So they must grow. But a child has trouble figuring things out. So what the child does is they start cutting themselves. And this is very ubiquitous everywhere. Ubiquitous is spread everywhere. And what they're doing is they're taking the pain out of their brain and they're cutting themselves on their arm so that they can localize the pain and deal yeah. with it in the physical realm. I know, okay, so sad, well, well, if you're not contacting your toxic ex, but you're still looking at pictures of them and looking at videos of them, let's face it, we took the pictures when we were smiling. What you're doing is emotionally cutting yourself. You're localizing the pain. You're, you're identifying well, you're not, where it hurts. You're, you're not. You're actually keeping the pain alive because even though you've gone no contact, you are contacting them through memories. You're keeping that energy alive inside of you. You're mm. trying to process why all these happy pictures turned into such misery. So you are emotionally cutting yourself like a child. To go no contact is not just don't contact them. To go no contact, you need to stop touching things that that meant something to the relationship you just triggered a whole lot of people listening to this including me because i'm I not you, i just heard you say that and you go well you got to stop thinking about them or like you got to stop hurting yourself and i've told a lot of people like if you want to heal stop picking at your scabs you know what i'm saying right exactly so now let's get back to the subject at hand you don't need empathy to survive what you need is the ability to kill when necessary Ooh. <laughs> so what happened? Well, think about forget 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 about wherever you are in the world. Forget about sunny Florida where I am, and think of us that think of us as a bunch of people roaming around, hunting and gathering, that have absolutely no language, no God. We barely master fire. You know, there was right. a time. Well, if if a tribe of us ventured to the north and settled, and now a new tribe was coming along that wanted to take your tribe, how would they take it? Would they make friends or would they kill everybody in the, in the town? By force. They take it by force. And knowing that the young of that are going to eventually be your enemy, you would kill them too. <laughs> no empathy. Yeah. You, are a, you are a conqueror. And humankind has been conquering and colonizing for quite a long time. We had a good start. And then 80,000 years ago in Indonesia, a volcano went off. And basically wiped out the planet and brought humankind down to roughly 3,000 people, male and female, over the whole planet. So you got 3,000 people who survived the Indonesian um, volcano and the volcano itself had us right into an ice age. So you got 3,000 people who have to survive in an ice age. You don't survive in an ice age by being really nice. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. (laughs) <laughs> you survive by survival of the fittest survival of the fittest was the only way to survive right so, so as man develops and creates language now let's flash forward all the way up um 10, years ago the beginnings of egypt they knew that the only way to survive 
was to conquer and kill. Now you have now you have a couple of million people roaming the earth and they wanted to take over the inhabitants of Egypt. So we already know that like the Sphinx itself was built by pre-Egyptians, not the Egyptians, because the Nile was there. It's made out of limestone. Well, what happened to all those people? There's only two answers. Either they're still here because there's no remains of them, or every one of them was slaughtered to dust. Again, conquered. Right. And then think about the Egyptians taking slaves. Conquered. Takes a lot of it takes takes a complete lack of empathy to have a slave. To whip a slave, to beat a slave, and I'm not trying to trigger anybody. I'm talking about the Jewish slaves and the African slaves that built the pyramids. So you have a complete lack of empathy. Then you have Genghis Khan walking around the earth saying, I am a god and I am going to repopulate the earth. So the soldiers of Genghis Khan literally slaughtered everything in their path except for women. And Genghis Khan was the only one allowed to have mating procedures with these women. And he fathered 260,000 children. Those 260,000 children are now one in 20 of every person that walks the earth. In fact, it's rumored one in five. So you are now directly related to somebody that kills men, women, and children, rapes, and conquers. Well, you want to talk about a lack of empathy. Look at somebody like Hitler, right? Like he he wants everybody to be one standard way, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, one Aryan race. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about like, you know, famous narcissists of all time. Well, I mean, we could go, be- let's go before Hitler. How much empathy did it take to have slaves in America? You know, one African tribe, the misconception is that Americans went over and took the slaves. That's not true. It was slave trade. So the Dutch would buy slaves from Africans. Well, one tribe beat another tribe and then killed all the smart guys, killed all the warriors and took the strongest and turned them into slaves and then sold them to the Dutch. We brought them here. How much lack of empathy does the entire Southern Hemisphere of America have that they would look at another human being? I don't care if the guy was purple, much less darker skin. Because, look, I'm Austrian, so but I'm not white. I have a piece of paper in front of me. I'm not that white. My teeth aren't even that white. Right. So and and if you look at an African-American or an African person, they're not black. They're they're brown at best. We're all kind of shades of brown. So what kind of empathy do you have that you can actually whip children, men and women to be slaves? No empathy. The point is, is that the lack of empathy has been ingrained in humankind since day one. Here's my real point in modern history. Everybody that has a lack of history became viceroy, general, king, Caesar. You kill the most. You are the ruler. If you're the ruler, you get the most amount of money. You get the most amount of women. Mm-hmm. So you got a lot of narcissists being born or narcissist genes. So just to make sure everybody knows, since 2016, and I urge everybody to just go Google this themselves, since 2016, we know this, that a narcissist has thinning frontal lobes or thinner frontal lobes and an underdeveloped cerebral cortex. These okay. are the two signs of a narcissist. Right. So- so it's a physical thing. It's not that they became narcissists. It's that they were activated through trauma. And everybody thinks the trauma has to be abandonment or beating or toxic. But to a three-year-old, trauma could be as easy as getting on a school bus. Yeah. Somebody, somebody wants to stay home with mommy. Mommy put them on and imagine this is a narcissist. So they, they do not know that this baby doesn't have empathy. And they put this no empathy baby on a school bus and said, time to go to school. And they were crying and saying, no, I want to stay home. These people scare me. 
And now they're traumatized. And now they're traumatized. I'm not saying that worse doesn't happen, but it could be as easy as that if you don't have empathy. Yeah, well, well imagine imagine the things that are worse than that. Imagine like, you know, the kids who are getting beat or the kids who, you know, in my situation, you know, I've talked a little bit on my podcast, like I had a rough childhood in terms of like losing a lot of people in my life. And that was traumatizing. So imagine, you know, you can go from the school bus or you can go to like the real bad shit. That's imagine, uh, and imagine it, how disturbed and it gets, those people get. And it, and it gets horrible. And you don't have to be a narcissist to go through serious trauma. In fact, what we call an empath today, even though medical society won't look at an empath. Um, I listened to somebody fabulous who explained it correctly. Mm-hmm. Her name is Teal Swan. If you don't yes, follow her. Yes, yes, she's awesome. Oh my God. So uh, everything that Teal Swan is saying is actually very accurate. She just has an elegant way of saying that if you are the child, I have a different way of saying it, but if you are the child of an unpredictable parent, you don't know if your parent is going to be angry or happy or sad or loving as a defense mechanism, your empathy and your sensitivity go through the roof because you don't know if you're getting slapped or hugged. You don't know if you should run to your room and play or hang out with mommy. So your empathy as a survival technique to survive in the household goes through the roof. The problem with this is that you are now attuned to conflict. So if I'm Mm -hmm. looking to buy a Honda, I could be driving next to a Mercedes, a Porsche, a Toyota, but I'm going to say, oh, look, a blue Honda. That is where I'm focused because that is what I'm used to being attuned to. I get what you're saying. Is there is there like a tipping point between like, okay, you go through drama as a kid um, or trauma. And then is there a tipping point between like you become a narcissist or you become an empath due to the trauma? And that is the that is why I brought that up. Before 2016, they thought it was just the way that you were particularly wired and your synapses would fire. After 2016, when they found out that the thinning walls of your frontal lobe stop you from associating feelings with memories, that you right. will become the narcissist versus the empath the um the empath. Is it a coping now, mechanism a, to the trauma or what is that? It's it's a well, what, what will head you down the narcissistic path is the lack of empathy. And if you cannot associate memories with feelings, you will mm-hmm. not have empathy. But let's, let, if you want, we can even dive. We got off yeah. the other subject, but we can dive right into this and just say it like it is. Um, what Toxic Abuse Anonymous is, our group, and the reason it grew so quickly is because what we recognize is that being addicted to alcohol, cocaine, heroin, all of these things up your dopamine. Well, when, it, when you encounter a narcissist, they love bomb you and your dopamine goes through the roof. So a, uh-huh. a great study, you can see it on the Uberman report, is they took somebody on cocaine and they took somebody that had just been love bombed and they did brain scans and they are identical. Well, what's important to understand is that your frontal lobes cannot see a red flag. Everything is green. You got to go. Go, 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 go. You idolize during the love bomb. So everybody says, how did I miss the red flag? And the answer is that part of your brain was no longer functioning because you were so high on dopamine. The reverse is also true. So they take somebody who's going through withdrawal of cocaine and somebody that's going through heartbreak from a narcissist and they do the brain scans. And now the frontal lobes are identical again, where they can see no joy. They can only see red flags. Yeah, I hope the listener is getting this because this is love bombing versus trauma bonds, if you're asking me, right? Well, people always say trauma bond to me, and I I try and remind them trauma bonding is two words. The bond happened when you were love bond, and 
your dopamine went to an unhealthy level. Sure. The trauma is when they dumped you on your head <laughs> yeah, and right. you found out that none of this was real, but let's, so now I cross-reference studies on sociopaths Okay. and in a room full of sociopaths, every one of them tested exactly the same that they have no oxytocin in their body. So all sociopaths are narcissists, but not all narcissists are sociopaths. So they have, they have two things in common. One, they don't have oxytocin. Two, they're all narcissists. They don't have oxytocin. That's interesting. They have, they have less oxytocin. Okay. Okay. At, At the beginning of this, I mentioned oxytocin as probably the most one important thing that helped humankind survive because when a mother has a baby, they hand the baby skin to skin to the mother. Yes. She immediately produces oxytocin, which bonds her to bonds her, her to baby. The baby. Right. Okay. Then they hand, then they bring the father over to hug the baby and the mother. He produces oxytocin and bonds to both of them. Yes. Without the bonding, we would have left our little caveman babies to starve or be eaten. But because we bonded, we protected them. Hell yeah. Now take a look at the narcissist. We get into a relationship and we love bomb each other. Everything. It's a love bomb fest. We have met the one we're going to be with forever. Everything is fabulous. <laughs> and then six months later, oxytocin is produced, which bonds us to the narcissist. Once we are bonded, we start producing cortisone and serotonin. Now, dopamine is there for the hunt, getting what you want. So when you want something, you produce endorphins and you produce dopamine. When you... When you are in the act of getting what you want, you get a ton of dopamine. Right. But, but when you are satisfied with what you want, you produce serotonin. serotonin means you're happy with what you have. Mm-hmm. So here you are in this beautiful relationship that's going so well, and you start producing serotonin. So everything kind of calms down and you start getting satisfied. The honeymoon is over and you are permanently bonded. Except for one thing, the narcissist didn't bond. Wow, my God. Oh my God, the narcissist didn't bond with you. And that is why everybody runs around saying, how the hell did this person leave me and fall in love in two days? It's very easy to leave somebody that you're not bonded to. It's easy to lie to somebody, manipulate them, cheat on them. Because if you have no empathy, now the funniest part is without bonding, they're just chasing their dopamine. That's right, they are dopaminetic. They're chasing their dopamine. Well, think about it. How do you have empathy for something you've never bonded to in the first place? Yeah. Exactly. You cannot empathize with, and if you look at empaths, they bond to everything. Grandma's teacups right. are, oh my God, this is from my grand. They, you're bonded to it. You're bonded to your car, to your house, to your, you know, that's why. And that is why when you break up, you end up staying home in your bed. You get bonded to your bed. And it's, it's not that you're agoraphobic. It's just, you're, it's the last thing you're bonded to. Everything else was torn away from you. Let me, let me give you two examples. So my father, sure. when, my, when my grandmother passed away, I remember talking to my father and um, him being like, you know, he was really upset, but he saved my grandmother's denture gum. And he's like, oh, this is my mother's gum. And I remember listening to him and go, wait, do you have like some sentimental memory to her denture gum? He's like, no, it was just hers. And I was like, what are you talking about, bro? And that is that bonding thing that doesn't make any sense um it doesn't have to make sense yeah well that's one that's one example and then the other example is you said like you know like people just laid up and and uncomfortable and and you know depressed and laying in the room i am the opposite with this healing journey that i'm going through my thing is to constantly stay on the move to chase my dopamine so i'm constantly exercising i'm constantly moving i'm trying to get that hit of dopamine of escapism you know what i'm saying 
I don't know if that actually is dopamine or survival. I'm not mm. sure if that's actually dopamine. But then again, I'm not the expert here. So whatever you works certainly for you sound like one work. Shit, Adam, you could tell me anything right now and I believe you. <laughs> well, I'm not here to anything I say, somebody could triple check for themselves. I'm not here to diagnose anybody. I'm not here to treat anybody. No, but this is awesome. You ask me to come on a podcast and give my perspective, and I am. And I've done a lot of work on it. There, you know, I I I happen to hang out with a pretty rough crowd. Uh, head of child psychology, John Hopkins University, head of criminal psychology, uh, Jacksonville Memorial Hospital. I mean, I know some people and I run my theories by them and they just say, shit, how did we miss it? Yeah. And the answer is actually because they're so busy working on psychopaths Mm -hmm. that they don't work on narcissists. Now, though, now they will start working on narcissism because of the pandemic. Narcissists were at work out cheating, out having fun. And yes, they were toxic most of the time, but people put up with it. And then all of a sudden a pandemic comes worldwide. I mean, if you look at the 250,000 followers that have joined me, wow! if you look at them, they're all over the world. And the reason this happened is because the world shut down. So the person that was at work, whether you're the narcissist or you're the person at work and don't know the narcissist, don't, don't, you know, in the narcissist state. You have at least that little bit of separation. Yeah, allows your batteries to recharge, allows you to cope, allows you a little privacy. But all of a sudden, the narcissist and you are attached at the hip 24-7. And you say, that's it. I can't put up with this anymore. <laughs> I haven't left my house in two months. And this person's telling me I'm having an affair. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and we know how a narcissist will project. So what's happened is all of this, it's not that there's a whole bunch of new narcissists. It's that it's just being exposed. Yeah, the microscope is on it now. Right. And since people are still stuck at home, that they're they're moving to social media and and there is this huge movement on social media of people saying, I didn't even know what a narcissist was until you explained how I felt. Mm hmm. That's it, man. I mean, like this community of people that I found, it's so everything they say, it's like, uh, I keep comparing it in the show. It's like being handed a textbook and being like, this is what you have. And funny enough, she keeps my, my personal narcissist keeps fitting the bill every single time I come across anything. It's like, oh my God, like it's so apropos. It's so apropos. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a pandemic for sure. Um, it's a silent pandemic, but I think now it will start getting addressed because let's face it, if you want to determine any behavior in the world, just follow the money. If, right. if there are millions and millions of narcissists, some university is going to say, hey, we got to fix this. This is let's get a grant for, you know, $400 trillion from somebody and fix this. Because if there's enough people affected, well, then there's always money to get behind it. The problem is this has been like a so silent that nobody wanted to fund it. There's always money for psychopaths because psychopaths make a lot of noise and narcissists for the most part are covert. So nobody even knew this was going on. Wouldn't it necessitate them being self-aware and taking responsibility though? Well, here's the problem with that. And, and I get a lot of hate on like TikTok and things like that because everybody wants to walk around saying they're demons, they're devils, they're Satan. I'm like, how many Satans and devils are? Is God and the angels <laughs> not doing their job that all these Satanists are walking around? Everybody's, the now? everybody's like, ex these days are narcissists, yeah. And I get a lot of hate because I won't demonize a medical problem or somebody who's autistic or somebody that has Tourette's. I wish they you would. Are, they have a medical disorder. And, if, and the problem with 
the problem with coming out of the box or getting self-aware narcissists, if everybody's going to call them the devil, right? then, th- then they're going to stay hidden because nobody wants to be called the devil and nobody wants to be called Satan and evil. And then the other part of this is if you look at just our group, just yeah. our, our, our Instagram lives, yeah, you have a lot of people there that are having trouble falling out of love with this toxic person. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to call the toxic person the devil, they don't register that. If you tell them, look, there is a medical disorder here, then they start going, so you mean he couldn't love me? I know, but it's just so hard. Yes, he couldn't love you. Yes, but it's so hard to see them as a sick person when this, well, I mean, you see them as a sick person, but this sick person physically, emotionally, psychologically, sexually abused me. And I don't want to have any empathy. Like I am an empath through and through, but I don't want to have any empathy towards her. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing about, I can appreciate that. Believe me, I've been there. You know, I had sole custody of three children for 20 years. Yeah. Um, But that's the thing about empathy. When you have real empathy, it works on everyone. Yeah. It doesn't work on the people you like. It works on everyone. And to take a look at this and call it a medical disorder, let's face it, 50 years ago, if your son had ADHD, he was locked in an asylum, given electric shock treatment, and possibly a lobotomy. Now they're like, here, take 10 milligrams of this every day. See ya. Yeah. Well, that I believe that this is the same thing where we can introduce oxytocin to these people and get them to bond to their children, at least, and certain, and maybe even bond to you. And, and you know, I had an interesting conversation with um, Chris from Nitty Gritty. I don't know if you know him, but the one thing that we both said is, we talk about me being colorblind. This is like one of the best examples I've come up with. Okay. I didn't know I was colorblind until I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And when I found out, I was, I was in denial. I said, I can't be colorblind. I come from a family of artists. Okay. And sure, sure enough, though, I was colorblind, like really bad colorblind, which explains why through high school, people would say, what are you wearing? Yeah. So, and yeah. I was like, what? Does it go? And they're like, <sighs> no, Adam, you can't wear that. So my point is, is that I just posted a video and I have seen this video in a hundred or a thousand different ways where Enchroma makes colorblind glasses and, and they bring people to museums and put them in front of a Monet and okay. they put the glasses on this guy, on a grown man. Okay. And the guy just starts shaking and crying Yeah. because he cannot believe what he's missed for 50 mm. years. The video mm. I just posted on my Instagram shows possibly a 17 year old kid, his friends got together, bought him the glasses, put them on him. His hands started shaking. He started crying. Mm. Okay. Now what if you could introduce some oxytocin bonding agent to a full blown, full grown malignant narcissist? Yeah. And out of nowhere, he realized how much pain he has caused and how much love he has missed or she has missed for the last 50 years. If out of nowhere, she all of a sudden felt serotonin and bonded to her children and said, oh, my God, 30 years I have tortured my children. They felt like this. Yeah. I don't know if they would survive. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. You're familiar with EMDR therapy, right? I am. I am familiar with it. And a lot of people are talking about it. it For the listener, yeah. For the listener listening, explain what EMDR therapy is. 
I, I'm no expert on EMDR. I'm looking into it myself. Uh, so EMDR therapy involves attention to three time periods, the past, the present, the future. The focus is given to the past disturbing memories and related events. Also, it's given to current situations that cause distress and to developing the skills and attitudes needed for positive future actions. So EMDR therapy is essentially like going back with the narcissist and reprocessing past memories so that they can rectify their reaction to how they felt in that moment. Wow. So I was wondering if like, um, like when you were saying bringing oxytocin to the um, narcissist, I wonder if you could do it through that process through EMDR therapy. I think it's uh, purely uh, chemical therapy. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's a port and, and, and inject them. And then oxytocin does what the truth is, is that mother's IV of oxytocin. Well, right now there are mothers. I was married to one. Believe me. Um, I have three children that she left and I took sole custody of, and she disappeared. Mm. And then she went on to have another one that she left. And, um, there are women and chemical therapy right now going on where they are introducing oxytocin to women to help them bond with their babies. And it works. Now that doesn't mean the woman is a narcissist. I'm not saying that that's not part of the study, but when people have trouble bonding, they introduce oxytocin and the people bond and they have gotten all positive results because although it's a uh, synthetic, uh, synthetic oxytocin, it is helping people bond to each other. Mm-hmm. And, and let's face it to like, if we go back to the survival story, story of man, right. to, to wars, to hurricanes, to slavery, to more war, to economic disaster, to depression. The ones that survived were the ones that got detached and survived. Mm. If you're attached, if you're attached, you will sacrifice yourself for that that you love. If you are detached, you will survive. So now all of a sudden, if there is a synthetic way to introduce a bonding agent, perhaps a narcissist wouldn't be so quick to lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, or actually just move on because look how quickly they move on and they leave such a wake of disaster behind and people people always say the same thing they say get over it there's a lot of fish in the sea and and i say if i was the type of person that could get over it i the narcissist would have never been attracted to me in the first place exactly yes exactly you're exactly you know, right. They literally come after I mean we don't have a lot of time on this but they literally come after those people that are slightly or totally codependent. Yes. And if you want to know where the codependency actually comes from, other than what Teal Swan said, is this. People that call themselves empaths don't realize that they were a gifted child. They are now the adult version of a very gifted child who had parents that did not teach them how to use their gift. Shit. Well, so the important part here that I was saying is that if your parent doesn't know you're a gifted child with all this empathy, well, then a ch- then just being a regular old parent. Remember, like here, I'm 50 years old. Right. My parents were born in the 50s. They were raised by people that were born in the late 1800s. <laughs> those are tough. Those are tough times. These people yeah. went through depressions and wars. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, so they were kind of raised with a broomstick. And so here I am, this child with all this empathy. And nobody teaches me how to use it. And I'm using it anyway as a child. All children have a ton of empathy. So your parent shows you some disappointment. But because you're feeling the disappointment through empathy and the parent doesn't, ha- the parent doesn't know to say this. I love you and I want you to clean your room. Mm-hmm. 
They just get disappointed that you didn't clean your room, that you didn't get the grades, that they don't like your friends, the way you're dressed, the way you're acting, where you're going to school, how you're so going that, to school. So that when you get so become now, an, hold on, when you get to become an adult, when somebody gives you that hit of attention that you've been craving since you were a little kid, you fawn over it. And it's like, this is well, what I've been waiting my whole even, life for. It's, well, I mean, we're going to get right there. So what happens is you now feel your parents' disappointment, which feels like no love. So a child doesn't, what happens to children when they see their parents fight or they have this unpredictable parent who doesn't know how to handle empathy, they don't stop loving the parent, they stop loving themselves. So what the child starts saying is, okay, so if I don't clean my room, they don't love me. If I don't do the dishes, they don't love me. If I don't get good grades, they won't love me. And love becomes something that is earned when in fact trust is something that's earned. Love mm. is unconditional. So now you now you have it in your childhood brain that you're going to carry the rest of your life that love must be earned, not trust. Right. right. Okay. So now you run into a narcissist who offers you unconditional love by love bombing. Mm -hmm. And you've been looking for it your whole life. That's why they seem like they're this answer that you instantly bond to. The other important part about oxytocin, which empaths are like sticky paper of oxytocin, they bond to anything. So what happens is, I know this personally, trust me. Um, what happens is oxytocin also does something else that is needed for the survival of the human race. When you bond to something, you automatically trust it. Okay, makes sense. Okay, well, you're not supposed to trust somebody in two days that they're your soulmate. No, so what happens fair. is people don't back off immediately and say, wait, this person has to earn my, earn my trust and I have to earn their trust. It's just given to them then you will spend the rest of the relationship earning their love, which is a natural feeling from your childhood. So you will constantly be doing things just so that they say, I love you. They don't actually love you because love is an action word. Love is putting somebody else's wants, needs, priorities in front of your own and somehow receiving joy. So they don't love you, but they say they love you if you just do this. You so like, now again, instead you're of earning so trust right now, <laughs> Go ahead. instead of well, instead of earning trust, you're trying to earn love and nothing could be more opposite. Earn trust. Let people earn your trust. Love is unconditional. Love does not hurt anybody. Love has never hurt anybody. Manipulation, lies, cheating. Those hurt people. And who lies and manipulates and cheats on you? people that aren't bonded to you and have no empathy for you because they can't feel your pain anyway. God and then damn. eventually, and then yep. eventually they eventually, because they have no empathy, they leave you to go get dopamine somewhere else. And you're sitting there going, what did I do wrong? So I want to, I want to go over another study that was amazing where they took a bunch of sociopaths and they gave them an artificial intelligence. And I hope this helps every one of your users. So they gave them an artificial intelligent application and said, build the perfect physical appearance. I don't care what it looks like, man, woman, pygmy, it doesn't matter. Just Whatever, physical? Well, hold on. That was phase one. Build okay. the perfect mate. This is okay. males and females. Okay. Uh, both and, and males that are gay, males that are straight, females that are gay, females that are straight. Mm -hmm. And said, build the perfect companion physical. Okay, now let's build their personality. Are they submissive? Are they dominant? Are they bitchy? Are they kind? Are they this? Build whatever you say is perfect. So they take a month and a half building little pieces of the perfect mate. Now they introduce the world's most advanced 
artificial intelligence to it that gets to know you. So within two months, every single sociopath admitted they were in love with their AI, which isn't too far-fetched these days. People fall in love over FaceTime. Well, hell, if you created it, you created it. Well, well, it's, even that, if it's like you, that weird is, science movie from the 80s. Well, this is super realistic AI. This AI thinks and knows you. It asks questions mm-hmm. and it's falling in love with you. Mm-hmm. So now this so now the sociopath has all this dopamine. Flash forward point and they and they meet every two weeks and they discuss their results. Mm-hmm. Well, flash forward four months. Now all these so so this is the perfect person that they all said they are in love with. On the fourth month they started, by the fifth month, every one of them was abusing the AI. Look, she's texted me 10 times. I'm not calling her. I beat mine up the other night. She oh, my God. I, was, oh, I had to lie to mine because I went out on a date. You, you know Every funny? one of them. Well, here, stay ahead, with this. Ahead, this is the most important part. Mm-hmm. So what is the deduction? If they are going to abuse the most perfect thing in their mind, what chance did we have? Oh. Uh, us, us being abused is entirely incidental. We're the suckers that reacted to them and got involved. But no matter who got involved was going, there is no perfect. Because even if you were the most perfect girlfriend or boyfriend, you were still going to be abused because sociopaths abuse people. So you didn't, it's nothing that you did. That's why we always say, no matter what the abuse is, it wasn't your fault. I had an ex-wife that used to say this. She'd get mad at my son and say, he did this, I deserve to be angry. And I would say to her, no, honey. Anger is not a reward. You deserve to be happy. Anger is a punishment. Anger is like drinking poison and hoping somebody else Just dies. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But And that is the part of the low emotional intelligence that most people are raised with, that they don't understand that anger is not just deserve. Anger is a temporary survival technique so that you know you can fight or run away. Not hold on to anger for long periods of time because you cannot process normal thoughts during anger. Regardless of all of this, though, if you take a look at that AI structure, it really tells us the truth. The truth is, is that no matter what you did, how you did it, whether you had that conversation, whether you reactive abuse, whether you said yes, whether you said no, you were going to be abused because that is what this person has always done. And if you don't believe it, look at all their past relationships and stay tuned to all their future relationships. <laughs> oh God, no, that would be a nightmare. Yeah, no, that's, that is freaking gnarly. And you know, what's funny. I, um, I saw this, uh, I don't know where I saw it, but it was something like, it's funny that you say four months because I saw this thing that said that a narcissist can't keep their mask on for more than 120 days. So like I heard this thing where it said, like, it's funny that you say four months because after four months is when the mask comes off and they become the true colors. And you're saying that they're abusing the one that they created after four months. Well, it gets much worse than that. Yes, four months, but it gets even worse than that. And the reason it gets worse than that is because as a human being gets older and older, they lose their patience. (laughs) So now you're a narcissist who's lost your patience. You can keep your mask on for about a minute. Yeah, that's a scary thought. And that is why there's no studies on narcissists, because they all die alone. And the doctors and nurses didn't know they were Yay! a narcissist. You just had a whole because bunch of people go, yes, die alone, because, die alone. <laughs> because, well, because let's face it, nobody's coming to see them. And their last words are always the same. See, nobody loves me. Good. Fuck them. <laughs> I know there's sick people, Adam. I know. Well, no, um, I have no, 
listen, the truth is, is no narcissist will ever hurt me again, unless he's like six foot five and got a baseball bat, <laughs> but no, no loving, no, no, I, even if I accidentally fell in love with a narcissist, they would never hurt me again. And the reason why is because this knowledge has gained one thing. I, it's not that I have thoughts about them one way or another. I pity them just like I would pity somebody who is autistic or mm-hmm. Down syndrome or anything else. And, and it's not about whether they're devils or not to me. What it's about is the people left in their path of evilness mm-hmm. need to understand that they need to not waste their lives. Everybody that I know, including myself, thinks that we live two lives. The first life is life we're living right now, but don't worry, it's going to get better. The second life starts the second you figure out you've only got one life. Don't waste it. Don't waste it on somebody. At the end of the day, you lost somebody that didn't love you. They lost somebody that loved them. You win. Well, check this out. So Adam's got this project that he's working on now. Um, where he's talking about people having two lives. Adam's trying to help people segue into their second life with uh, a new project that he's working on. Adam, why don't you tell the listeners what uh, this new project is that you're working on? Okay, well, thank you. Um, well, because we've had such an impact in on social media with, I mean, the group combined has 700,000 followers or something like that. And I'm a member of the group, man. And you are a member of the group and, and we like having you because you always bring up intriguing things. But so we have this large group, but we do notice a certain amount of narcissists and trolls in the group that are <laughs> trying to hit on all the empaths or, or bring everybody down or tell us that narcissists don't exist or all that bullshit. And then, you know, just being social media, there's a lot of people that actually don't want any help or, or they don't even need any help. So why am I Why am I subject to their opinion when they have no idea what I'm even speaking about? Mm -hmm. So I got together with some other creators and we we turned Toxic Abuse Anonymous into its own app. Creators and creators of content and therapists can come to the app, have their own groups, go live. Wow, sweet. Right. Do podcasts. They can take their live events and store them there so people can see their lives. And it's not open. The problem with like putting all your lives on YouTube is anybody who happens to be scrolling by sees it and says, what are, this guy's full of shit. And then they report Meanwhile, you. You don't get right. And you can get reported. And here, and what if we want to talk about sensitive subjects, right. cheating, sex addiction, mm-hmm. you know, all the, all drug the crazy addiction. stuff that drug addiction, all the stuff that could get you really banned. Mm-hmm. on social media here is a place where creators can do it safely and i mean since we charge about a cup of coffee a month as creators are converting all their followers into this private space for themselves they're monetizing it which yeah. i mean we're not we're not trying to get rich off anybody yet with a cup of coffee and i'm talking dunkin donuts i'm not even talking starbucks here <laughs> but at least you don't hey, have I like to dunkin worry donuts. about <laughs> hey, dunkin, like dunkin donuts hey dunkin if you're listening i'm still looking for a sponsorship <laughs> <laughs> well, what you need to do for Duncan is you need to show them why they failed, which is they're always on the cheaper lease on the wrong side of the road. They need to be on the outgoing traffic. But I not the incoming. <laughs> people don't buy people don't buy coffee on the way home. They buy coffee on the way to work. And that is one of the failures of Dunkin' Donuts anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I digress because that, now you bring out the businessman in me. So what, so what the app does is it creates a safe place where members can talk to each other. We have sections just for men, just for women. We have sections for everyone. We have guest speakers coming on from around the country. And I mean some real names, like real names. We mm-hmm. also have a couple of features that 
a lot of people don't understand. So a narcissist is very busy destroying all your relationships. Now you don't have someone to talk to. So just like Alcoholics Anonymous, Toxic Abuse Anonymous will have a sponsor group. So you'll have 24 hour somebody to talk to that says, don't text him. Don't call her. <laughs> oh, don't I'd like to. Oh, man, it. I'd like to be a sponsor. That'd be cool as hell. A, I'd like to have a sponsorship. There's a, uh, there's a cemetery in there to bury all your pictures and things like that. Sweet. There's, there's a lot of little things that we thought of because we've really taken a look at this. And let's face it, and I'm going to end with this because I see we're basically out of time. An alcoholic, and I'm not picking on alcoholics, but an alcoholic three years after they're sober says, gee, I want to drink. Mm-hmm. And the answer is no, you don't want to drink. You're human. You're thirsty. You want water. But because you built a habit, a neural pathway Mm. of every time you're thirsty, reaching for alcohol, your brain associates thirst with alcohol. Well, if you're in a toxic relationship where every day you got to prove you love somebody because they're accusing you of cheating, of being sneaky, of lying. And it's like, I love you. I love you. I love you. You have built a neural pathway. Now you're out of the relationship. You're sad. But you are human and you need affection. Hell yeah, you do. And what happens is you built a very, very core, very negative core belief that if you want affection, it must come from the toxic person. So you must do something like suffer so that they will be affectionate. Meanwhile, they're gone. They're out of your life. So the addiction is the same. As Einstein said, things equal to each other are equal to the same thing. If you're craving something toxic in your life, It is addiction. So what we did is we built an app around the addiction of people, of being addicted to that toxic relationship. And, Mm. you know, basically everybody, I should, I should start every day on my app with a live that says, hi, my name is Adam and I'm a toxaholic. (laughs) Oh, I'll admit to that. I'll admit to that. Well, anybody that could admit to it can fix it. And what we're basically doing is recreating the 12 step program for people in a trauma bond so that they can go live their second life and be happy. Yeah. Dude, this is awesome. Well, listen, there's going to be two different kinds of listeners. There's going to be people, people who are going to be hearing this. The app isn't out yet. So why don't you tell people where they can sign up for it now? And then once it's out, where they can uh, find it. Easiest answer is go to toxicabuseanonymous.com. Put down your email. You're on the list. Okay. And then, um, so it'll be an if app you, that comes out. You that come you search, to- it'll be an app that comes out in the app store that you can search later on. Absolutely. Okay, cool. And, and also, if you go to, if you want to join Toxic Abuse Anonymous on Instagram, there's a link tree there and you can go to the link tree, get on the list. Um, you could message me, you could join our group and have some great discussion. Sounds good. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Well, I think you've said it all. So listen, Adam, thank you so much for doing this. I was so looking forward to this and I really want you to come on again. If you want to follow Adam, he's on, he's blowing up on TikTok. It's uh, toxic underscore abuse underscore anonymous. And he's also on Instagram. Um, follow him, check out his lives. His lives are incredible. You'll very few frequently see me on there commenting away, trying to get Adam's attention. But uh, Adam, this was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you, Mac. It was a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much, Adam. And uh, for the listeners, guys, until next time.